Proverbs, please, chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4. That's where we're going to park and begin, the battle of the mind. The battle of the mind is probably the greatest battle we will ever face in our entire lives. Why? Because we're not what we think we are, but we are what we think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Actually, guys, what we're thinking today is what we're becoming tomorrow. Our thoughts are nothing more than an index to our character. And if you know what you're going to be five years from now, just study your thoughts the past two weeks. You are what you think. And this battle that we face is huge. Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to park at verse 23. But I want you to see what's before this verse and what's after this verse. Begin at verse 20. My son, how many of you are a son of someone? Let me see your hands. Good, I'm glad you all raised your hands. How many of you are a son of God? God spoke this. He breathed this out for us to read. And this is what he says. Attend to my words. Listen. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Remove all distractions. Don't think about this afternoon or next week. Concentrate. Verse 21. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. It's amazing how the eyes and the heart are connected. What we allow to enter our eyes is normally food for the enemy that we battle. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all the flesh. Say verse 23 with me. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. It kind of explains more of that. Put away from the afroid mouth, perverse lips put far from you. Let thine eyes look right on, thine eyelids straight before thee. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove your foot from evil. When the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, it's, it's, it is so foundational. If you ever, ever, ever want to have consistent and constant victory in your mind. And these are truths that we're going to learn today that I honestly, I really hope that you find some teenage kid that needs a dad if he doesn't have one, and you help him with these truths. The word keep is a military term. It means to be a guard, to be a soldier, to constantly watch, to always be on guard. Um, your heart, again, is the real you. It's not what men think you are. That's your reputation. Your heart is your character. It's what God knows you to be. Like we said last night, your heart is what you'll do in the dark when nobody is watching. That is the real you. Keep your heart with all diligence. Now, it's interesting that this word diligence is the same exact word that we talked about last night. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed and diligence. Same word. And it still means the same thing that you engulf yourself in. You wrap yourself up in. You totally surround yourself with if you're talking Star Wars, it's like a force out there. If you're talking a barrier out there, a force field. But back in the day when this was written, what would you do if you wanted to protect yourself from the enemy? You would build a wall. You'd build a castle around that which is very, very important to you. Remember in Solomon's day, they did talk a lot about military, a lot about armies, a lot about fighting, and understanding that it is a true, true battle. But if somehow we can get our minds maybe like to the Lord of the Rings, okay? 
Because back in that day, they didn't have computer warfare. They didn't have unmanned drones. It was a sword, a shield, a helmet. I went out, either you take my head off or I take your head off. Could you even imagine doing that? It's just so far from our minds. It's true, hand-to-hand combat. Either you fight hard and kill it. It comes from this because you are what you think. We're going to study the art of medieval warfare. A couple of the guys up here in the front row were living in the 12th century, and they probably know more about this than I do. (laughs) But as we study when Solomon would fight, there are certain elements of this warfare. First of all, were the knights, where you must be committed to pleasing your lord and king. We're going to study the enemy and how we must keep a proper view of the enemy. The castle, how we can keep the enemy as far away as possible. And then, of course, the weapons keep constantly prepared. And if you remind me at the end, I can give you my email address and, and I can email to you all these notes and all the PowerPoints, okay? The Knights. Did you know during the days of Knights, what they called the Dark Ages, most kids couldn't even go to school. Some of you young guys say, oh, that'd be sweet. No, we don't want to stay stupid our whole lives, okay? <laughs> Only the noblemen's sons were able to go. And often they were taken in, they were called pages when they were very, very young, like eight years of age up to about age 13 or 14. But sometimes when these young pages were taken into the castle and they were shown the armory and they're shown the dungeon and the torture chambers, they became so fearful, they were dismissed, kicked out of the castle and called yellow pages the rest of their life. It's supposed to be a joke, okay? <laughs> Nobody knows what yellow pages are anymore, do they? <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to quit using that joke. I really am. But I figured somebody might know it. At age of 13 or 14, they became squires. Now, what a squire did is he, during his teenage years, would be assigned to a knight, and he would learn from this knight. He would take care of the knight's horse. He would take care of getting him prepared for battle. He had all kinds of study and all kinds of exercises. In exchange, the knight would teach him how to fight with a sword, how to tilt with a lance. If this young teenager from 14 all the way to 21, if he could simply make it very, very difficult, very, very hard, disciplined, but if he could make it to 21, then oftentimes they would go into the big banquet hall in front of all the lords and the ladies, and this young squire would kneel before the king. The king would take his sword, and he would touch both shoulders, dubbing him to be a knight. As he did so, this young squire was simply saying this, I pledge my life you, my Lord and my King. I will live for you, I will fight for you, I will die for you. And guys, unless we are totally committed to pleasing God and not self, we will never, ever, ever find true victory in this. Proverbs 16, 3. You commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. You stay busy serving your God, studying your God, pursuing your God, serving others. You stay so busy that you don't have time to sin. You know, as a camp director, we have a lot of guys that come and counsel, girls come and counsel in the summer, some in here, some of the pastors have done that. When you counsel at a camp, it's like Monday all the way to Saturday. I mean, you're with the kids, you're thinking about God and others, and you're busy, and you're doing the games and in chapels and all this. By the time you get to Saturday, whoa, you are like too tired to sin, okay? So all you want to do is eat and sleep, eat and sleep, and then you wake up and do it again on Monday. It's a wonderful way to spend the summer, okay? You're too busy. Free time is one of the biggest enemies our kids have today. 
If I mention to you the word Sodom, I know exactly where our minds go. And what was the sin? Don't answer out loud. What was the sin of Sodom? We say we know. When actually, this is what God said. In the book of Ezekiel, he says, this is the sin of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her. She was selfish. She had everything she needed, and she had nothing to do. And therefore, they gave themselves to such perversion and immorality. You guys have to get up this morning and go milk, milk the cows before you came into the session? I got them. You got them, okay. What do, we, what do our kids do today to work? Take out the trash, yeah. Maybe empty the dishwasher. And they have so much free time. Now, the problem is their choices are what the parents allow in the choices. They certainly know a lot more about Fortnite than they do about New Testament characters, don't we, guys? They know how to be successful when it comes to the games. Too much free time. Keep committed to pleasing your Lord and King. In Isaiah 26, it says, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed committed on thee. How often do you think about God? Seriously. When you pray, I hope so. Because even sometimes when we pray, we just say the same words and get it done over with. We really are talking about God rather than talking to God. How often do you think about God? I hope it is part of your world that you actively pursue and have this set time and a set place that you meet with your God. I have a little grandson. His name is Sebi Sebastian. And his dad is faithful in the word of God, so Sebi wants to do the same. I was at his house, and Sebi says, Papa, you want to have devotions with me? I said, sure. He's six. So he sat down. He reads to me a chapter from the book of Joshua. Now, obviously, being in the ministry this long, I'm talking about a six-year-old. There's no way he can understand what he just read. I said, well, buddy, what did you just read? He goes, Papa, people forget all the time. So God told him to stack all those stones so they wouldn't forget what he did for him. Like, duh, Papa, why don't you understand this? <laughs> There's no age on this. You guys were laughing last night about asking directions. Men don't read directions. And then Peter gets up here and shows us all these books. I dare say every one of these pastors in this room, they would say this, if we could just get our men to read, it would change their lives. And all these Bible helps, taking the word of God itself, keep your thought life God conscious. The first thing I do when I'm counseling somebody struggling with same-sex attraction or porn addiction is we set up a meditation time. And you know one of the first things I tell them to do? I tell them, I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to get a blank notebook, and I want you to go to the book of Psalms. Now, David had his problems, okay? He did. We have a problem with laptops. He had a problem with rooftops. But we have problems, okay? <laughs> and I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to take a blank notebook, and I want you to put, my God is blank, or God is my blank, and dig in. And start studying 
everything you can find out about God. You say, Rand, shouldn't we just be memorizing verses that, you know, deal with thought life and so forth? Yeah, 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 we'll get to that. But when you know that you have a God that is holy and loving, that is just and forgiving, that is patient, oh, even with man, you just like love that God so much, you dread even the thought of displeasing him. I'm telling you, pursuing your knowledge of God is a key in this. If you truly want victory in the battle of the mind, keep committed to pleasing your Lord and King. Learn to love him more every single day. Number two, the enemy. Keep a proper view of the enemy. Again, during the Dark Ages, mercenaries, barbarians would be hired who could come in and literally annihilate an entire kingdom. They normally would start in the villages surrounding the castle. Sometimes they would literally go in and begin killing off people, decapitating men. They'd take their heads and put them on a pike. or atrocious. They had this practice that they would put a person on a stretcher and then they'd stretch them out until literally, while they're still alive, they would cut them open. It was a practice they called it quartering. And these individuals would be cut in four pieces and sent to different parts of the kingdom to show that this new power was now in control. Some they would put in stocks and they'd literally fasten their fingers and sometimes their ears and leave them there to die. Others they'd wrap in chains and lift them high above the castle wall and, and just basically after a period of time because of the weather and the vultures be nothing more than a skeleton there. They're cruel, they're vicious. They had absolutely no respect for human life. We have an enemy and his name is those of us who have trusted Christ. We have beat that one, right? But he will do everything he can to get us as far away from our God as he possibly can. How do you view sin? How do you view evil thoughts? Do you view the thinking itself as sin or just the action? Or is it just the consequences we're trying to stay away from? Romans 12, 9, abhor, hate that which is evil, and cleave, hold fast to that which is good. Do you hate pornography? How do you increase your hate for such a sin? You meditate on the consequences of those involved. I promise you, if you could shadow me in my ministry, and you sit in my office with abused kids, you take the concept of child porn, understand that every single time any of that is made, some kid's life has been destroyed, and yet you would you'd pay money to get your little buzz out of something that destroys a life. Abhor that which is evil. Genesis 6, I want you to see this with your own eyes. Turn to it. We know that God destroyed this world with a flood. Why? What was the motivation? He said, well, it was wicked. It was sinful. What do we know about that sin? Genesis chapter 6, look at verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Got this? He doesn't even mention an action. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart 
was only evil continually. Every day, all day long, men were thinking wicked things. But verse 6, it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth. Wow. But the last phrase is what gets me. It's just it's talking about a creator God. Because men imagine wickedness in their hearts. It says it grieved him at his heart. I don't know how to define grief. We buried a little boy not far from the wilds in North Carolina who died at birth. I remember standing in my mom's casket when she was like 61. I've experienced grief and it just hurts. And that's, that's just like a little taste of the heart of God. When he looks down at any single one of us, and sees a heart that's filled with imagination and thinking of evil things day after day after day. Psalm 36.4, the Bible says he devises mischief upon his bed. Have you ever asked your sons what they think about as they go to sleep at night? What do you think about as you go to sleep at night? Why allow their minds to be filled with trash? And things they would never do because of the consequences, but because there are no mental consequences we think, freely engage in. Did you know the verse tells us at the end? He devises mischief in his heart because he abhorreth not evil. Because he doesn't hate sin. Guys, if it's your daughter that was abducted and used in porn, does that make you angry? When is a thief not a thief? According to Ephesians 4, you say when he's not stealing. No, he could be on vacation. He could have taken the weekend off. When is a thief not a thief? Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands to, have, to, to, to get things that he can give to him that needeth. A thief used to be a bum to take away from others. Now he's a hardworking man to give. A thief is not a thief when he has something completely different. And this comes from the change of a heart. When is a lustful man not a lustful man? You say when he's something completely different, what is that difference? When no longer does he look at a girl or a lady whether it's in a magazine or in a video or in a website, no longer does he look at her as an item of something to lust after, but he looks at her as an eternal soul which will live somewhere forever. And I promise you, if they have chosen to be a part of this industry, they probably don't know God. And that soul's going to die and spend forever and forever and forever separated from God in hell. You cannot pray for somebody and lust for them at the same time. When you look at people as eternal souls rather than some temporal fleshly desire. Proverbs 6, 16 and 18. This is what God says, okay? This is God had it written down for us. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. You know one thing that's an abomination to God? A heart that devises wicked imaginations. I'm telling you guys, God hates the action, but he hates the thought that leads to the action. 
2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations, the things we imagine in our mind, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Here is your mind. Okay, here's some of your minds. Wait, here is your mind. Here's your knowledge of God. Does God hate pornography, yes or no? We know that about God. That's our knowledge of God. So you're on the web or you're in a bookstore or you're out somewhere where all of a sudden you're seeing something you want to dwell on, you know you shouldn't, and your mind comes to your God. God hates that. I know this about God. This is totally against God's plan for, for true love. And I know God hates this, but I don't care. And I exalt that thought above my knowledge of God. No man can serve two masters. He'll either what? Love the one and what? Hate the other. Or he'll hold to, that means be loyal to the one and despise, which means to look down upon. You want to take the Bible literally, guys? Here's a literal interpretation of that verse. You got your iPad in front of you. Trash is coming on. Hey, God, um, I just want you to know for probably... I don't know, maybe the next half hour. I'm going to love this. I'm going to hate you. And for the next 30 minutes, God, I'm going to be loyal to this because this makes me feel good for a little bit. And to me, for at least while I'm with this, you mean absolutely nothing to me. If you want to take the Bible literally, that's what it's saying, guys. We pretend that we don't believe that way. View evil thoughts as sin. We need to learn to hate sin. And if we don't hate it, we'll never defeat it in our lives. Number three, the castles. Keep the enemy as far away as possible. When they build a castle, they would normally find something that I haven't seen around here. It's called a hill or a mountain, okay? It's kind of flat down here. You find a hill, you find a mountain, okay? And then what they would do is they literally would clear cut the trees, sometimes up to a mile in every direction so they could see the enemy coming from, where, from either direction. If somehow the enemy could sneak across those fields at night and they could get to the edge of these castles, around most castles there was what? Really undesirable for human beings. Crocodiles, alligators, electric eels, and English teachers. They had actually put them <laughs> inside this thing, okay? Now... The only way you could get over the moat, obviously, was from the drawbridge. And I hope you don't think these dudes would ride their horses up right against the moat and then just reach down, hit their garage door over, and down it comes. <laughs> Actually, the drawbridge can only be open from one place. Where? Inside. Do you know nobody can make you sin? Nobody can make you sin. Not even the devil. You will never, ever find any place in the word of God that the devil can make you sin. You know why we sin? Because we open the door. We double-click the icon. We grab the remote. We take a double look. We choose to sin. Once the drawbridge is down, there's a gate system, usually two or three gates, iron interlocked together, big wooden door, often covered with leather. Because during attack, they could soak the leather so the flaming arrows would be extinguished when they hit the thing. The castle walls, they say, many of them were so wide you could literally race chariots around them. All the pictures of these castles I've had the privilege to take when I've been preaching in Europe and stuff. 
The castle walls had this battlement. They went up and down like this. From the outside, it's really narrow. But from the inside, did you know it's slanted? So the archer could turn any direction. Inside the castle walls, obviously, there was a courtyard, well-lit, well-guarded at all times. Inside the courtyard was almost a castle within a castle. That's where they would keep the water and the ammunition. Often the king or the queen would stay there. Does anybody know what that was called? The keep. Keep, guard your heart with all diligence. So the question is, why? Why did they go through all this effort, very, very simply, to keep the enemy as far away as possible? Avoid stimulants and provisions for the flesh. We mentioned it last night. Make it hard to sin, easy to do right. Say it with me. Hard to sin, easy to do right. Say it again. Hard to sin, easy to do right. Turn to the guy next to you and whisper it to him. Go. Job 31.1. Job said, I have made a covenant with mine eyes. I've made a promise with my eyes. Why? Why then do I think about a young girl named? He struggled with his thoughts, like many of us. Psalm 101.3. You know it. Say it with me. I will set no wicked thing before my, keep going, I, come on, I what? I hate the work of them that turn aside, it shall not cleave to me. Okay, guys, I'm your friend. You just told me our biggest problem. We don't know the word of God. Oh, we know the parts that our preachers have preached at us. I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. That's right. Why? What's the foundation? What is the motivation? Now, God will tell us if we'll look. I will set no wicked. The word is belial. It's worthless thing. Temporal. Wasteful. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them to turn aside. I may not even be the one turning aside. I hate the work of them that rebel against God and hate God. It'll never cleave to me. It'll never become a habit in my life. You don't look, you won't become enslaved. Want to talk about alcohol? Did you know that if you refuse the first drink, you'll never get drunk? Regardless how you want to argue about that. You refuse the first drink, you'll never get drunk. There's a quick progression, or I should say digression comes out very, very quickly. Second Peter, we're going to look at that a little bit later. Proverbs 4.25, we just read it, let thine eyes look right on. Now, some of you are old enough to think right on. That was a phrase used, okay? That means don't be shifty-eyed. And the sad thing about our world today is you don't have to be shifty-eyed. All you have to do is drive down the street or turn the TV on. Avoid stimulants and provisions for the flesh. So what in your life makes it easy for you to sin? What kind of boundaries, what kind of barriers do you need to build to keep the enemy far, far away? In regards to these castles, again, guys, if we just keep the door open, it's just a matter of time when we're going to turn on our God. The weapons. Keep constantly prepared. 
Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, say the last word, that I might not sin. You say, Rand, I don't want to constantly give in to this. I don't want to sin with my mind. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. God tells us what to do. He tells us what to do. Pray and memorize the word of God. There's no pill. There's no secret formula. And yes, there's conferences you can go to and there's camps that you can go and spend three or four weeks to get detoxed off of the sexual junk. There's all these things out there. But nothing can clean our hearts and change our desire like this book. I promise you guys, the only answer, only answer is the word of God. A couple years ago, I got called, very interesting, within like a month, I got called by five Christian colleges, all had an individual who was upperclassman or grad school, all five guys preparing for the ministry. Out of the five guys, two of them were struggling with same-sex attraction, the other three were porn or addicted to porn. And they did. They just called. From five. It blew my mind that that many at one time would call. Separately, they didn't even know the other guys called. And they said, can you help us? I said, I can if you'll listen. And I gave them a plan. All five guys, a very simple plan. Six weeks. Give me one hour a day. I will share with you what I want you to meditate on. I will show you how to meditate. I'll give you the help. You give me one hour every morning. One hour. For six weeks. Five guys. Guess how many made it for six weeks? I met with one of them. He made it three weeks. But he decided his gay lifestyle would be much more exciting for him. The word of God. He tells us what to do. This blows my mind, okay? Keep constantly prepared. Um, Romans. It very clearly explains that we have been given so much. The book of Romans is a fascinating book. Romans 1 through 3, man ruined his life with sin. Romans 4 through 11, God's remedy is Jesus Christ. Romans 12 to the end, how then can I spend the rest of my life thanking God for what's wholly acceptable to the Lord, which is our reasonable service? And be not what? Conformed to this world, but be what? By the... Make your mind brand new. Now, when I say transformed, what do you think of? You old guys think metamorpho metamorphosis were a caterpillar, but these young guys don't. They think of Optimus Prime, you know, Transformers. Okay, it's kind of cool out there. He's a tractor trailer truck. No, he's a robot. Can change back and forth, you know, and we need to be, some, we need to be something that's completely different, and we can be through the word of God. Remember, Philippians 4.8, what sort of things are true? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are honest? If you get the right order there, what sort of things are of good report? If there be a virtue, if there be a praise. What's the next word? Think. Think, think, think. Think on these things. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind is the key of Ephesians 4.23. The very simple, what is God's? Way to change, if we're already struggling with a certain issue, whether it be anger or fear or lust, worry, 
put off the old man, which is corrupt according to its what? What's the next word? Deceitful lust. Guys, you have to understand that every lust we face in life, whether it's a lust for women, a lust for things, maybe it's a lust for uh, power or attention, this incredible intense desire, they're a bunch of liars. They're deceitful lusts. They will tell you if you just finally take this and you get money or you get satisfied physically or you finally have attention, you finally have power, you'll finally be happy. What do we see in the news the last three or four days? That big electronics dude, he's getting a divorce from his wife? How would you like to argue over like $100 million, billion, huh? It's not satisfying at all. You put off that deceitful lust, and then the key is Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We're going to talk about it at length here in the next session. And that you put on the new man, get this, which is created in righteousness. I love these last two words, true holiness. That means you don't have to fake it. You don't have to pretend that everything is okay. It's true holiness. It is not pretense. It's not fake. It's not plastic. It's the real you. That's what God can do as he begins to renew your mind. Be not overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. What do you do when temptation hits? And and it's going to come. It's going to hit your sons. I'm going to take one little segue here, parenthesis, okay? And when I deal with this in a little bit kinder way, I'll have to say that when there's women involved. What do you say to wives and moms who catch their husbands or their sons in porn? It's a terrible time. And I encourage the wife. Now, first of all, they're going to freak out because the way men are made, the way women are made, they don't quite get it, okay? Why would you even think about wanting to do that, okay? So it's a struggle in their hearts. So they're going to be upset. They're going to be hurt. But when I'm pretty, I say, okay, if there's ever, ever a time when your son or your husband struggles with this, now tell them, this is a time for a spiritual hug. Now, you obviously, there's consequences. Computers taken away, passwords put on things, remove the temptation. But there comes time when you say, hey, I'm going to pray you through this. I'm going to do that. And then I encourage them to do this, which I encourage you guys to do for your sons and you sons do for your dads. Hey, Dad, what did you learn about God today in your devotions? If you're a teenager, raise your hand high right now, okay? You guys, with your hands up, every single one of you have permission by me to ask your dad next, any day next week you want. You go to your dad say, Dad, what did you learn about God today from your devotions? You got my permission. Got it? What am I saying? Did you know loving the word of God is contagious, men? It is. It is contagious. And everybody says, Rand, how do I get my kids to love the word of God? They said, dads, to get up every morning, they know where they are and what chair they're in. Their Bible is open, and there's a, oh, a confidence for the kids, for the wife. Oh, I know my husband has temptations, but I know he's in the Word. I encourage the wives to do the same thing. Hey, honey, what do you learn about God today? We should be asking each other these things. 
when temptation comes, what you do is you immediately turn that into a conversation with God. It's like a springboard. Lord, help. I need you. I can't do this. I'm weak. I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm going to blow it, Lord. You have to protect me. I need you. And then what you do is you ask God to direct you to his word. Again, everything we need for righteousness and true holiness is in this book. I promise it's there. Because this book is about our wonderful God. When you read about Jonah, you're not reading about God. Hated these people. No, no, no. You're reading about a very patient, loving God. This is about our God. So you ask him to direct you to his word. And then from that, you find what we will call a weapons verse. Got it? So if you struggle with your thought life, you might say, okay, that guy said I had to read the Bible, so I'm going to do it. I don't know. That Old Testament is too tough to understand. I'll just go to New Testament. Here we go. <clears throat> the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. This is good. And Judas begat Pharaohs and Zarephamar, and Pharaohs begat Esram. Esram begat Aram, and Aram begat Abinadab, and Abinadab begat Naus, and that's what I need today. No. Okay. <laughs> now, it's kind of fun to study these things, okay? You, know, you, do, you need a verse that specifically deals with the problem that you're having, okay? Um, how many of you deer hunt? Anybody here deer hunt? Okay, they do that in Florida. got a couple. Uh, I have some friends that I get to hunt with in Pennsylvania. It is one of the stupidest sports ever to be invented for mankind. I'm telling you, because you go down there, and uh, it's, it's the first day of buck season. It's like, you know, it feels like 32 below zero, okay? So it's probably only about 10 or 12, 15 degrees. A little bit of snow on the ground. You're freezing, okay? But you can't shoot until 7.25 a.m., but you're in the woods at 5.30 a.m. Your tree stands so the deer walks up to you or whatever. You know you're home. Your, excuse me, your wife is at home sitting in front of the fireplace with coffee laughing at you right now, okay? <laughs> so you spend all this money, get your rifle and get your shells and get everything, get your license and... You're sitting there, you're freezing, you're so cold, you got to go to the bathroom so bad, but you don't want to do anything because you want the deer to come up to you. It's now 6.30, 6.45, 7.15, 7.33 If you see a buck, you can shoot him. And all of a sudden, you hear this noise, and you slowly turn your head, and here he comes, a 78-point buck. And you reach by your side because you went to Walmart the night before and you bought a brand new super soaker and you <laughs> pump it five times and pull the trigger and go after that 78-point buck. You say, come on, Rand, a super soaker? Pretty weak. So are we if we think we can defeat the second most powerful force in all the universe. Guys, he's not afraid. Satan's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of me. But he is afraid of our God. Did you know he has to listen to God? Do you know in Mark 5, Jesus comes, there's this demoniac named Legion, the nude dude in the rude mood, and he's running around, you know, and all of a sudden the demons cry out to Jesus. They're scared to death of him. Please, please don't. Why? That's not the first time they met Jesus. He already cast them out of heaven. They had to listen to him then, and they will listen to him every time. By the way, if you get scared, remember only a third were dismissed. We got them outnumbered two to one, so you got, we're doing good there, okay? Satan has to listen to God.
You might win a couple little tiny bouts, but you're not going to win the battle. You must use the very word of God. What did Jesus do when Satan has tempted him? He's quoting scripture. Amazing, isn't it? So what do you do with that scripture? You memorize it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against my God. You meditate on it, and then you master it. Psalm 119, verse 16 says, I will not forget thy word. Right in the middle of temptation, I will not forget thy word. You're online. Ugh. I'm sitting there wicked things before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It's not going to cleave to me. I'm going to cast down these things I'm imagining and the things that I'm pushing above God. I need to bring these thoughts to captivity. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. I'm telling you, this stuff starts just rolling through your mind. And it's God through his word, his Holy Spirit, teaching us constantly how we can be pure. But the key is that middle word, meditate. I will meditate in thy precepts. Meditation should delight us, it should consume us, and it should control us. You taking notes? Got it? Good. All right, let's move on, all right? This book of the law, this precious word shall never be at the place where I cannot speak. It shall never depart out of my mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe, say the next two words, to do, according to all that is written therein. How do I do this book? How do I stay pure? How do I say no to temptation? How do I love my wife like I should? How do I truly witness to my friends? How do I pray fervently? How do I live the Christian life? Meditate on the word of God. It'll totally transform your heart, renew your mind, and make you a brand new person. Then your way can be prosperous. Then you can have good success. We give our lives for prosperity and success. Don't worry about that. Let God take care of that. You, I, need to practice to consistently meditate. Now, meditation toolbox. Pastor, tell me. I forget what time. I can stop right now. I got five minutes. Stop now. Okay, let's stop now, take a break. And there, if you're a true man, I know some of you are getting a lot of colors on your man card there, okay? <laughs> but if you've not lost your man card, you get a toolbox that you're going to fill you come to my house, again, I'm a redneck, totally redneck, okay? I got tools. I, I could break any. I could bend any brake line that you guys bring to me. And, and I can put it in. And I got a special tool for that. I've only used it, like, maybe 20 years ago I used it. And it's mine. You cannot have it, okay? Just, even if you have to go to the mall with your wife, you at least go to Sears until they're going to close down and look at the tools, okay? So this toolbox, we're going to study it and then see how to apply it when we come back, because right now we're going to take a break.